1: Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Oh, Aunt May,
0: is that an angel I'm talking to? Nope, you're just an idiot kid. Ah. (laughs) So, Kiki, have you heard that there's a new Spider-Man movie coming out soon? Nope, I've had my head
1: buried in the sand in a metal box.
0: The movie that has been so anticipated that people who worked for Sony risked their jobs to leak an unfinished trailer. And
1: then the real trailer came out, and it, too, is apparently very suspiciously unfinished. Or finished and then redacted?
0: Not the first time. Not the first time (laughs) Marvel's pulled that. Look at the trailer. I mean... think about spider-man look at a trailer for the first trailer for captain america civil war and they edit out spider-man from all of those scenes
1: yeah we're editing out spider-man left right and center possibly that lizard (laughs)
0: back into the left back into the left So yeah, with the new Spider-Man movie coming out, uh, we decided that we're going to take a look at uh, all of our past spider man for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Maybe.
1: And if we're wrong, this is going to be an interesting trip down memory lane for no reason whatsoever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this movie turns 20 next year. We're all... Uh, Yeah, we're old. Say what you will about this movie. The MCU as we know it probably would not exist without this movie and the uh, Fox X-Men movies because those were the movies that really solidified comic book movies as those big blockbuster movies that you have to see.
1: Yeah, you can at least give it that. Those two, the combination of those two were the first ones probably since the Donner Superman films Mm -hmm. that were comic book movies were blockbusters because we had that whole problem between there, especially during the 90s.
0: Yeah, for a while comic book movies were the joke Yeah, I was going to say for a while Comic book movies were like a death sentence
1: Even the ones we kind of remember fondly In the kind of cult classic thing You know, your blade or or whatever Mm -hmm. That our generation kind of likes They were pretty big box office flops Uh, did not do well for their star's career. But you get to X-Men, what was that, 99, I think, and then you get this in 2002. And these made good money. And they were both for the Marvel brand, if not Marvel Studios as we know it now. And they really did spark something in somebody at Marvel that... Not only are our properties capable of bringing all the boys to the yard, as it were, maybe we could, you know, start to form our own company, start to make our own thing.
0: And now we have the MCU.
1: And now we have the MCU, and now we have Spider-Man at least attached to that.
0: This movie technically is retroactively part of the MCU now.
1: At least it will be. Um, While the question of if previous Spider-Man will. The Fall is in the new movie, counting it. (laughs) Well, yeah, but at at least the question of if the previous actors Mm. of the previous Spider-Man will show up is, as of this recording, still up in the air. We do know that we're getting the villain from this film. I mean, Willem Dafoe has been confirmed.
0: That is his voice in the trailer.
1: As the Green Goblin. At least his voice is in the film.
0: So, and the same outfit.
1: And and it is the same outfit. So the villain from this film will be in Spider-Man No Way Home, which is considered part of the MCU per the deal mm-hmm. with with Marvel and Sony at the moment. So, this film retroactively now is being pulled into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe via the multiverse part of Phase 4. And it's interesting that 20 years later, a film that had no intention of being part of anything larger...
0: There was no plans to do a Spider-Man Cinematic Universe back in 2002...
1: I mean, they hoped for a sequel, as any film might, I guess, of this nature. That that was the extent of it in 2002. You hoped yeah. for a sequel.
0: Yeah.
1: That, that was the end of your aim in 2002.
0: Now it's, you've got to plan ten movies ahead for different characters.
1: Yeah, now you've got to have branching tree charts of crossovers and plans and there's a secret vault somewhere in disney guarded by mouse-eared mercenaries or something i
0: don't know what what goes on down there and i'm terrified to find out they've been trying to make a spider-man movie for a very long time Uh, we have the live action series from the 70s with Nicholas Hammond, which some episodes were released internationally in movie theaters, if you want to call that a movie. <laughs> so, uh, and then we go to the 80s and there was the infamous uh, Canon films, never made movie. No relation. No, yeah, no relation to you. Before they even filmed moment one of the movie, they filmed a trailer with an actor in a Spider-Man costume around a black, empty stage. Uh, a black, empty soundstage. And that trailer is on YouTube if you can find it. Within this unsuspecting city, history's greatest experiment creates tomorrow's greatest superhero. Spider-Man, the movie. A live-action spectacular directed by Joe Zito based on the characters created by Stan Lee.
1: Yeah, it- it was uh, kind of interesting how long they'd been trying to
0: do this this film. At one point, James Cameron was attached to direct this movie. A lot of his ideas are still in this movie, mostly the uh, you know Green Goblin being the villain, Mary Jane being the love interest, and organic web shooters. Remember, remember the big controversy over the organic web shooters. We're gonna get to that.
1: Okay. James Cameron was the big one, but I don't know how closely you were following at the time, but you got to remember that I was, we've talked about it before. I was the sort of person that, you know, I would go out of my way to find copies of Variety and I was on all of the... Early, I mean, you know, nine, 99 was still dubiously early in the, the internet message boards and stuff. But, you know, I I was all over entertainment news at the time. Almost every potential director was shoved through this pipeline at the time.
0: I uh, but I, I, I wanted to mention cameras because of who he wanted to be in there in his version of the movie, because we would have had DiCaprio as Spider-Man and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doc Ock.
1: Yeah, I do remember the rumors of Arnold as Doc Ock at the at the time. Um, and that caused some controversy because we had already lived through Mr. Freeze. And there were a there was a lot of backlash of jokes about Doc Ock and and, and Mr Freeze style puns. You know, I, I remember people going around being like, "Oh, did I hurt you? I didn't mean to cause any arm. You
0: know, <laughs> it's like it's just really really bad stuff. And amazingly enough, Kevin Spacey of the Green Goblin.
1: Yeah, that 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 would have been a thing I would have been very into at the time. That would have not
0: aged well. It would not. He turns out he built an actual goblin in real life. Yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> the uh. The thing is though is that like all of the permutations that we could have had, you know, like at one point we could have had Tim Burton's Spider-Man.
0: We could have had M Night Shyamalan's uh, Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, we could have had the Ang Lee version of Spider Man. Which if, having if, seen the Ang Lee version of Hulk, I'm very glad we didn't get that. You
0: um, didn't want comic book transitions and in, in, in spider dogs?
1: Yeah. We we could have had the Jan Bont version of of that, which is the or or the Roland Emmerich version of that. Which just, we would have blown up New York City again, which would not have.
0: But there is one director that came the closest before we got to Sam Raimi, and that is Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus was, had gotten so far into this movie, he was, they were working together, and this almost became a Chris Columbus movie until he was offered Harry Potter. Chris Columbus left Spider-Man... To direct Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And those two movies did come out the same year. Yeah. Um, Imagine the what if there. Chris Columbus's Spider-Man. And who knows who would have directed the first Harry Potter movie.
1: David Fincher was up to direct it. If you don't know him. He is. He's really known for his like psychological thrillers. Mostly.
0: I he, I recently saw a vid video about what Fincher's Spider-Man would have been, and it didn't look he, like it would have been very good.
1: He did not want to do the like death of Uncle Ben origin story.
0: He didn't want the origin at all. It's a, he uh, yeah, he the interview he, that he I wanted, read he interview I read with him said that he cannot see himself filming a boy getting bit by a spider. His words.
1: He, yeah, he wanted to do. You know peter already with his powers but he wanted to do the gwen stacy death storyline
0: that's not a part one
1: yeah he was so intent on doing gwen stacy's death that they were like no if 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 that's the only thing you're willing to film you're not the the man for this first film
0: because they they end up and they end up referencing that in this movie anyway
1: yeah, they they kind of cribbed that story for this this anyway, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, and th- which leads us to 2002, Sam Raimi, the director, you know, Evil Dead guy, among other things, doing in this doing this and.
1: Yeah, that was the thing that got me was they were they they finally announced it and they were like we're giving it to Sam Raimi and you know I had been following it I'm like. You, you're doing what now? <laughs> you're, you're 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 huh? Not a not a choice I was terribly pleased with at the time or today, uh, um, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah. When this trail, the first trailer, if you remember, the first trailer was a helicopter going out of control in New York City. And Spider-Man saving the helicopter by making a giant web between the World Trade Center towers and catching the helicopter. Then 9-11 happened.
1: So much of the original marketing for this film had the towers in it. And apparently a lot of the original film did as well. Because, you know, it was the big part of the skyline.
0: It's hard to it, remember now. If you pause at the right moment, uh, right where you first see Spider-Man, And he shoots his web for the first time in the, in the suit. If you pause at the right moment, you will see the two towers in Spider-Man's goggles. I actually did that in the research, I was like, hey, Wonder, "It's still there. Oh wow, it's still there."
1: Ah, uh, they—they're just a, a thing they neglected to to edit out.
0: But yeah, the original the original poster had the World Trade Ce- the World Trade Center in it. The uh, Cameron's original script had the final battle taking place on the World Trade Center. Which Interestingly,
1: you- Sony said about that trailer when the trailer had to be removed because they said that like oh that trailer uh was just kind of a short film we made to market the the movie and that was never going to be in the film later on sam raimi said actually that was intended to go in the film but we cut that whole sequence due to the attacks
0: there's some very obvious reshoot moments that definitely feel post 9 11. Like, when you mess with New York, you mess with all of us!
1: Yeah, that, I do wonder how much of that was originally intended and how much of it was rah-rah, New
0: York strong kind of stuff. Also America, because there's that ending scene with Spider-Man by the American flag.
1: Yeah, some of it did really feel very, you know, post 9-11 jingoism, Um, but that is where we were at the time, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about who they ended up casting because we've talked about who other directors would have cast, uh, but apparently Sam Raimi only had one person in mind for Spider-Man and that was toby mcguire who he saw in the spider <laughs> spider saw in the uh cider house rules and uh immediately was like yeah that that's my guy
0: that's my spider-man
1: that's my spider-man but yeah that that was his his big role at the time was uh cider house rules he had been in pleasantville before that which was how i knew him uh, if you hadn't seen him in Pleasantville or Cider House Rules before that, Spider-Man. And then, of course, you know, he's had a good career since then. I mean, he's never stopped working and went on to do, you know, Biscuit and Great Gatsby and uh, with with Leo. Yeah, <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio. Good, solid career there going for him. Um, and then uh, as good old Mary Jane... We get our Kirsten Dunst.
0: Ah, uh, Kirsten Dunst. First yeah. saw her in Interview with the Vampire.
1: I first saw her on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. But, yeah, most most people, of course, saw her first in Interview with Vampire. And then, of course, she did that uh, 94 version of Little Women. That Jumanji, a lot yeah. of people from our generation remember, and of course Jumanji and Small Soldiers, you know, that again our generation big into those films. And then, you know, right before Spider Man, she did Bring It On and Virgin Suicides, kind of big cult classics for our generation as well. And then when she did spider-man everybody was like oh little girl from interview the vampire grew up (laughs) (laughs) so if you haven't been watching kind of the other you know kind of i don't want to say kid roles but the roles that were important to our generation Mm. you know i think the mainstream audience kind of rediscovered her when she did spider-man and then of course she's been consistently working as well she hasn't disappeared either she's right now in that uh new western uh movie with benedict cumberbatch that just hit netflix power uh, of the dog power of the dog thank you um yeah so yeah i mean she's she's still got a good career going so and then uh we've got as our big villain here we got willem defoe so, I mean, Legend, Jesus and the Last Temptation of Christ, Platoon. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, podcast-splain Willem Dafoe to you. You know who Willem Dafoe is.
0: <laughs> Would eventually return to superhero-dom in Aquaman.
1: Yeah, he did come back in, in Aquaman. So he's done the Marvel and he's done the DC. You yeah, mm-hmm. yeah got both. But, yeah, I really liked him in uh, Fault in Our Stars, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you hadn't seen his performance in that i know it's kind of weird um and of course he shows up in john wick and how do you how do you not like a a turn in in john wick i i will say though that uh as far as this movie goes weird al does have it right yeah, he- as the uh the son of our main villain here uh as harry osborne we have uh james franco got a uh a weird career after this before this he was kind of mostly known for freaks and geeks had him working with uh judd apatow it was the the nbc show And that was kind of him working, started his career working with Seth Rogen. And then he kind of kept working with Seth Rogen for most of his career.
0: Franco also has the Disney uh, connection as he played the Wizard of Oz in Oz, the Great and Powerful.
1: Yeah, which is um, another Raimi project. Another Sam Raimi project. Um, which I have not bothered to watch. And uh he did kind of the only James Franco movie I'm interested in, which was uh he did the Disaster Artist, which was the, the story of how the room the Tommy Wazoe movie got made. Um, in which he played Tommy Wazo. Which it did turn out to be a good movie. Um and his Tommy Wiseau was uh, decently passable. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, though, during the making of that movie, some things about him came out, and the uh, so, well, let's just say maybe we're closer to heaven. Kevin Spacey is the Green Goblin than we had intended moving on uh we have to have our uncle ben in this movie and he was portrayed in this film by cliff robertson had a very uh long and storied career in hollywood uh six decades that he spent working uh in film and television three days of the condor such a a good film there a few episodes of uh twilight zone outer limits i i remember him uh prior to spider-man weirdly as the president in escape from la because i love me a post-apocalyptic movie Um, (laughs) so if you like you a kurt russell post-apocalyptic movie that's one for you and interestingly he was used in uh the um spider-man into the spider-verse i'm pretty sure you know the rest with great power comes great responsibility even even after after his passing he is still carrying on as as uncle ben Um, and of course our aunt may for this particular film series we get rosemary harris uh also just a legend in her own right tony award winner for the lion in winter she uh took over this is this is one of the great things because she's still with us
0: yeah Um, she's still alive
1: but back in 2018 this is this is one of my one of my favorite stories about her it's in 2018 um they were doing a uh, broadway revival of my fair lady And Diana rig had been playing Mrs. Higgins and Diana rig needed to step out of the part. And so a week before her 91st birthday, Rosemary Harris stepped in (laughs) for Diana rig and took over the role on Broadway. I mean, come on eight shows a week at 91 legend. Yeah, and uh, this film is just filled with kind of cameos, and they weren't super famous then, but they are famous now. Of course, we've got J.K. Simmons as uh, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, which he is still doing, even in the MCU now. They brought him over.
0: As a side note, when you saw that ending scene in in Far From Home, and it was J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson,
1: I don't think anybody was like, oh, they've connected the Raimi films to the MCU.
0: Yeah, I thought it was just a fun Easter egg. A- every
1: again. everybody just thought, well, who else are you gonna get to play J. J. Jameson? Like, <laughs> the just... <laughs> only
0: other actor who can play J. Jonah Jameson is Ed Asner and he's gone.
1: <laughs> well, I mean he is now. But yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't get him to play the body. I mean, you get him to do the voice. Mm -hmm. You get Ed Asner to do the voice. Um, But if you need somebody to play live action, J. Jonah Jameson, there's only one choice. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think anybody was like, oh, they've made those films like part of the... No, you're you're just like, well, there's only one choice and it's J.K. (laughs) Simmons. Like, we've already cast that role, thank you. But yeah, um, the one that I had forgotten about and still can't believe even when I'm staring at it with my own eyeballs is Joe Manganiello as Flash Thompson because that does not look like him. I mean, I realize it's him 20 years ago before he was it's before True Blood and it's before like what is it magic bike or whatever stupid crappy was in that people go nuts for or whatever. But like I had, I rewound it and kind of looked at it. I freeze framed it and I'm, I'm still like, that does not look like him. I trust it's him. The credits say it's him. His IMDB says it's him. Wikipedia says it's him. Does not look like him. (laughs) Elizabeth Banks is in this.
0: As Betty Brant, yeah.
1: As, as Betty Brant, um, okay. Um, some of them I had remembered. Um, Ted Raimi. I, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's you know, you you got your you got your Bruce Campbell, you got your Ted Raimi, um, the only saving graces uh, that ever show up in a Sam Raimi film. That's why we let Sam Raimi continue to work, because you get Bruce Campbell and you get Ted Raimi. I had forgotten Octavia
0: Spencer was in this. Uh, lucy lawless with a cameo in this movie i
1: remembered lucy lawless has a cameo she only did that as a favor to her husband who was the producer on this film yeah that's also the other reason we'd let same raimi work is because occasionally rob tappert will be a producer on things you know there's there's some things
0: in there um like the macho man randy savage is so. yeah uh a little bit tidbit that we heard when we were recording with Luke Ski uh last week was uh he apparently was in the audience filming that wrestling scene.
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh
0: yeah, let's kind of just get into this. So you wanna rip the band-aid off on the organic web shooters? Or you wanna uh, hold off
1: on that? No, we can we can do it. Um so yeah, let's let's talk about just the 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 powers themselves um and the the spider bite and and all that kind of stuff yeah we um, have a
0: we have a conveniently bioengineered super spider in oscorp
1: yeah it's no longer a radioactive spider it's a a gmo
0: spider i guess i don't know Geo spliced spider
1: yeah um,
0: uh so yeah they I don't mind how they went about with the spider, but looking back, it is a bit cheesy. Is that, oh, here's a spider that can do, that can leap. Here's a spider that can make webs, that can lift as much as its own weight. Uh, Here's a spider that, you know, pretty much a spider that can do all of Spider-Man's powers. This one has uh, precognitive abilities for some reason. A spider sense and... We've taken all of these abilities from all of these spiders and we made one super spider that just happened to bite on Peter Parker and give him all the powers of Spider-Man. I get that
1: radiation is not the MacGuffin it used to be. And the, the bioengineered spider was never the thing I had an issue with. Around the time this film came out, Marvel released on CD-ROM... We going back in the day kiddos. What was at the time 40 years of amazing Spider-Man comics. And they were really high quality digital artwork scans on CD-ROM of basically every issue of the amazing Spider-Man run. I, I had it and I read all the major story arcs. What I love about that first comic where you're introduced to Spider-Man is how fast it moves. It's just like, Peter is bitten by the spider. Spider bites him, immediately dies. What I love about this spider is it just like, Fs off into nothingness, where I kinda just hope it goes off and just bites a whole bunch of other people. And what we never see is there's just like a whole bunch of other potential spider people.
0: He just goes off and bites a little Asian girl and bites a little black boy. And we have the yeah, no fighters. Yeah, it's just,
1: I, I hope they're just in this universe somewhere. And we never hear about them because they're smart enough to not attract attention. <laughs> Peter's out there getting all depressed. He goes off and he's just suddenly like, oh, wow, I have all these powers. And the thing that bugs me about the organic web shooters is... It takes away my favorite part of that comic, which is that Peter's like, huh, I seem to have the powers of a spider now. Well, that will make these web shooters that I designed for no particular reason come in handy. And he just reaches into a drawer and he has these mechanical web shooters and web fluid just in a drawer in his
0: room for no reason. It was the 60s that's just how it works.
1: Yeah, it just Peter Parker just had these things lying around, straps them to his wrist and goes, well, that'll be useful now.
0: You see Peter was working on a new brand of silly string that he just wants to put it on the wrist so kids can prank.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just something like that. It's just a thing he's been dicking around with in his room for giggles. And now he's like, well, if I'm going to be a superhero, might as well have these things. And I love it because there's no explanation and you're just reading it and it just slaps you in the face and then goes, nope, we're not going to explain that. Moving on. And I love it because, no, you don't need to know this. Screw you for asking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the thing I kind of hate about this movie is that it like, it zooms into his fingertips and you see the little hairs growing. Really? Then why do his feet stick to the wall through those tennis shoes? And also, what exactly body fluid is he shooting out of those organic web shooters? And why at the end of the movie, when he's using it on the Green Goblin, does it make metallic sounds as he's spinning that web. That's the most disturbing part of the movie. Well, the second most disturbing part of the movie. I'll get to the first most disturbing part of the movie in a little bit, but
0: I mean, I get why they went with the organic web shooters because they didn't want to have that. Oh, I ran out of web fluid. I need to get more, but we've seen in other versions of Spider-Man cartoons and films that that is a clever plot device you know now spider-man can't rely on the webs to do you know the job he's got to think of something else one it's a
1: clever plot device and two the audience doesn't really think about it when you don't want them to think about it yeah Uh, if the audience thinks about it in a kind of (laughs) like infinite
0: web shooter (laughs) and then they move on he has enough webbing to get him through that particular predicament until he doesn't anymore.
1: Yeah, at worst, it's a fridge thought. You know, mm. it's it's you get done with the movie and you're standing at your fridge getting a snack later and you go, he really had a lot of web fluid in those web shooters, didn't he? That's at worst. It's not something that's going to pull people out of the movie. It's not like somebody shooting 280 bullets out of a six-shot revolver. It, it, it's not that kind of brain-breaking. And you know what? I've watched movies where somebody shoots 280 shots out of a six-shot revolver, and I've still enjoyed that movie. It It's not that bad. It's like, stop freaking out about it, okay? You know what bugs me a whole lot more? Mm. Organic web shooters. <laughs> Because now it's just weird and gross, and I have to be like, is is it snot he's shooting a- out of it? Is it
0: a non-family-friendly substance?
1: Is it a non-family-friendly <laughs> substance? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to put that. Thank you. <laughs> like, but also, I don't want to see the little, you know, spider barb hairs come out of his finger. Like, I don't want to. And we never see it ever in, in
0: any of this trilogy. It never, they never show it again.
1: Yeah, but also, my brain can just kind of accept he's bitten by a radioactive spider and now he has spider powers. Because it accepted it my entire life up until this movie. I think there's a thing that some people think about geeks, which is like, oh, they're going to dissect it. You're not a geek, and you're listening to this podcast. Let let me explain that. It is a game we play with each other. It's an icebreaker
0: it, at conventions.
1: Yeah, it's it's a thing we do because it's fun for us. It's it's a it's a what if game. It's like two debate kids on a debate team. I'm gonna take the position that. Spider-Man's web fluid is made of this substance and you're going to take the position that he needs to have organic web shooters. And we're going to debate it. We might not even believe that at the end of the day. But it's fun for now. It's a mental exercise. Which Star Trek series is better? Who which, cares? Most which people do Yeah yeah which is the better captain which is the i don't care i'll sit down and watch kirk or picard but if you want to debate it i'll debate it because it's fun i don't actually care at the end of the day
0: to further go down that rabbit hole oscarp just so happens to be developing a glider and green power suit
1: I do like that they gave this a little bit of context. It's part of a military weapons race. It's an an Iron Man thing.
0: And it's also a Captain America thing because they're also developing a super soldier formula.
1: And, And it fits into kind of what Marvel is always doing. There's always somebody who's trying to develop the next military weapons thing. And it always goes wrong which fits in with sort of the politics of the larger Marvel universe. Mm. Stop trying to create super soldiers and military weaponry. It never never goes well. Although I will say that I admire Norman on one thing. He is the rare billionaire that is willing to take the risk himself.
0: Oh yeah, he he takes the, the, the super soldier formula himself knowing the risks uh, they even say earlier that side effects and ca- cause uh, insanity
1: i mean elon's always coming up with all these ridiculous ideas and i kind of want to go you first man bravo to norman for taking the risk first instead of making a minion do it you know so I, i'll i'll at least give him that but as we see it doesn't go well for anybody because he immediately kills a dude
0: I mean, if you're going to get someone to play an insane supervillain, Willem Dafoe is the best you're going to get at that time.
1: I, I think the way that it's written is sometimes not always the best, but he delivers the performance perfectly.
0: Also, the Jekyll and Hyde side of the Green Goblin, at least for the first part of the film, Norman has no idea what's going on. He ends, he wakes up on the floor of his office and he doesn't know how he got, how he gets there. And he, he you know, and the goblin side of him comes out and say uh, revealing that you know it was it was them that killed uh not only the other scientists but the the military generals that uh that passed on on the super soldier project and all that
1: yeah i I do like that the uh super soldier project pod flight suit thing that we see getting destroyed looks really. Bad
0: <laughs> Iron Man that ain't And if I had to choose between that flight suit That looks like a Like a giant Tylenol pill strapped to a rocket <laughs> Or the flight suit on the glider I'm taking the flight suit on the glider Yeah
1: You want to talk about The scene I never want to see again In a Spider-Man movie
0: Yeah we've, uh, <sighs> This is the first on film in sense of the death of Uncle Ben.
1: Yeah, this is up there with the death of Mama and Papa Wayne and Krypton going boom as things I never want to see in a film again. I think everybody knows what happens at this point, and we don't have to see it anymore. But this is the first time we ever saw it in live action. So... This one gets a pass. And overall, it's well it's well done enough.
0: The the setup and the payoff work still works for me because you have Peter, who freshly knew Spider Powers, gets into a fight with Flash at school, because Flash has been bullying him. He fights back, gets in trouble.
1: I will Uh, say one thing about the Flash scene.
0: mm -hmm.
1: I will give toby mcguire props for doing that food tray catch because he actually did that
0: (laughs) really i thought that was like wires or something
1: no apparently they just dropped a bunch of stuff and he caught it and apparently they did that over and over and over and over again until he did i i hear he was determined to nail it and they so that was actually like done for real in camera in real time Hooray for practical effects. Yeah. One of the few in this movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the setup here, you know, Uncle Ben is trying to have that father-son talk with with Peter. You know, like just be can't just because you have the ability to hurt someone doesn't mean you should hurt someone. And I think so many people who watch this movie and so many people who love Spider Man do not understand that.
1: The, the talk with uncle Ben in the, in the car where, where uncle Ben is, is trying to say it's like this point in your life is, is kind of a turning point. I realize that something is going on with you and you need to decide right now what kind of man you're going to end up being. Are you going to end up being a bully or are you going to end up being a, a good guy?
0: And Peter, being moody teenager, within, with this new sense of confidence in himself, doesn't want to hear it. Again, realistic, let's be honest. Every parent tries to have that talk with their kid at some point, and the kid will always brush him off, because that's what we do. Everyone everyone goes through that.
1: Ed, I, It is a very realistic scene, and it's also... You know, knowing what's coming, it's also a tragic scene.
0: What really gets you is when Uncle Ben says, I know I'm not your father, and Peter says, well, stop acting like him. And like, ooh, that... Knowing what's going to happen, and that being the last thing he says to Uncle Ben. Peter lies, he's saying he's going to go study, and turns out he's going to go to the wrestling match to make some money. Three minutes with Bonesaw. I
1: wonder how this this wrestling thing
0: actually works that cage is not practical for a wrestling match there is no way you can climb that thing
1: but also this appears to be more like a pro wrestling setup but it's not a scripted match
0: they didn't smarten up peter i on on the finish
1: (laughs) yeah and also when he goes up to the woman she gives him a verbal kind of like, do you agree that we're not to be held liable? Which maybe you could do in court as a verbal contract, but he's under 18 at this point, presumably. I'm pretty sure
0: Peter lied about his age.
1: And they didn't ask him for any form of ID or have him sign any Paper or medical waivers or I've
0: seen a couple of shady and I've seen a couple of shady independent shows I can tell you some stories about letting underage kids oh, I'm sure them.
1: they're there I'm just saying that that this, this seems to be a rather well funded and well attended one for this whole thing is sus it's entirely sus so it's the fact that Yeah, so the fact that the promoter at the end is all like, here's a hundred bucks, kid, get out, you know, does not surprise me because Peter's spidey sense should have been going off from the second he walked in this place. One of my kind of favorite things is, you know, the promoter does the thing of like, I fail to see how that's my problem when he hands him the money. Peter delivers the same line back to him when he lets the robber go. And I don't know if if the actor intended to kind of deliver it that way. But the promoter gives Peter this look of like, well, you're a piece of crap, but I respect you because you're my kind of piece of crap, <laughs> like... Game recognizes game, little Spider-Man. Like, I, I get that, you know?
0: Because Peter let that robber get away, that robber killed Uncle Ben, pops back up in Spider-Man 3, which which makes it look like the Sandman killed him or something or whatnot. Yeah, the
1: less we say about Spider-Man 3, the better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this scene does have one thing that I will say, which is... um. You know, once again, it focuses on Uncle Ben's car. I will say that uh, this car, much like Sam Raimi, is the bane of my existence. I dream of finding every version of this car on the planet and dismantling it so thoroughly that no one can ever build another one of these
0: cars ever again. Can we talk about Mary Jane in this movie for just a moment? because? At the beginning of the movie, she's dating Flash, who she knows is bullying Peter, is the only person in the entire school that seems to be nice to Peter, because even the bus driver doesn't want to stop for him. Yeah, that bus
1: driver is a jerk. I, I know what you're talking about, that she kind of is bouncing around and everything, but they give Mary Jane this abusive household backstory.
0: Yeah. That makes it understandable that she would cling to whoever would show her affection. Uh, Flash complete Richard here because dumps her on graduation day. So I
1: just remember her saying something about you know take your ring back or whatever. So I, I think I, I always got the idea that she dumped him.
0: Maybe it's maybe I, I'm thinking I'm interpreting wrong. Who knows?
1: I I, uh, I don't know. I, I it was always unclear to me.
0: So anyway, the whole movie sets up that Peter's had this lifelong crush on on Mary Jane. Uh, Harry even tries to get him to talk to her, say, hey, you know, say something. And he is too shy to do it. So uh, Harry does it instead. So Harry asks out Mary Jane. Now, MJ and Harry are a thing. But Harry's he's a bit of a
1: Richard about it, too, because he does it
0: secretly. Yeah, he never tells Peter. P- Peter finds out by Mary Jane, accidentally, and she she thinks that Harry
1: has told him. She's not trying to keep anything from Peter. She was just like, "Yeah, I'm I'm dating Harry. I just you're roommates. I thought you knew.
0: Sorry." Ha- Harry seems to want to hide this relationship from everybody. He's even hiding it from his own father.
1: Well, and we find out in the Thanksgiving scene why. It's because his father is like, oh, she's a gold digger. She just wants your money, you know, just use her and toss her aside before, you know, but definitely don't marry her. Don't, you know, give her any money. Don't do
0: anything. He even mentions uh, Harry's mother.
1: Yeah, we never know in the movies. I don't think what happened to Harry's mother. But this suggests that
0: it's still a bit of a Richard maneuver to brothers before farm tools, as the (laughs) saying would go. You know, your best friend has the hots for this girl and you're going to sweep it, swoop in on that. That's that, that that goes against the bro code.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that that that's maybe a firm line, but at least you ask first.
0: Yeah, it's at least that, you know, like you know, hey,
1: is the is that, you know,
0: are you gonna ask her out or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, and it, or, are you or, are you are you ever going to get the stones? Because if not, I I have stones, you know, <laughs> like
0: she's an attractive <laughs> woman. Uh, I'm going to shoot my shot. Is yeah. this okay with you? If not, shoot your shot right now. Yeah. But the relationship is very odd in that it seems to be now granted, Harry, this is probably the way Harry was brought up and his personality in that he's his solution to everything is to throw money at it.
1: Yeah. Like, that definitely seems like a rich boy thing though.
0: Yeah. I mean, throughout the movie in the background, Harry and MJ have problems. His solution is I'll buy you something. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of realistic though. In a way. Yes. But that's, you know, the rich boy uh, mentality. If, you know, he was raised with money and his entire life was if there's a problem, throw money at it.
1: We see that Norman kind of has that same idea, though. So, I mean, he comes by it at least honestly in the sense of that's what he was taught. I really like this, this version of Mary Jane. I mean, this is the only portrayal of Mary Jane we get. A
0: certain other MJ doesn't count.
1: Yeah, because, cause, you know, the the current MJ is not really Mary Jane Watson. And we do Gwen Stacy for the um for the Andrew amazing. Garfield run. Yeah. I really always thought that Kirsten Dunst made a very nice Mary, Mary Jane Watson.
0: I think so, too. She also had that, that warmth, that, that caring to her. Even though she comes from this broken home and she's verbally abused by her father on a daily basis, she doesn't let it break her. She's still this kind and wonderful person.
1: And when she calls him Tiger that first time, you get that nice little, oh, you know, (laughs) she said the line. Yeah, she said the thing. She said the thing. (laughs) Yeah. I really like the way they do develop the relationship because they're both a little, I mean, they're childhood friends. So you get that they're they've got a thing for each other but there's a lot of history there and it's kind of awkward and it's kind of, you know. I
0: also think it's partially on Mary Jane again, growing up from the broken home probably doesn't think she deserves a good guy like Peter. Yeah, cuz I've seen a, I mean we both of us have known a lot of people who grew up in similar situations who mentally feel that they don't deserve that kind of happiness.
1: Yeah, and and you can see it in the in the the guys she's kind of attracted to. It's like flash is a bully. And then Harry is just kind of emotionally unavailable. Spider-Man is a guy. She doesn't even know his face or name. He's a good guy, but she's free to crush on him without there being an expectation. Um, But Peter is somebody who's there and somebody that it might turn into something. And I think she's afraid of finding out that he might not be a good guy, you know, that maybe the good guy is all on the surface, you know. And if you dig deeper there, there might not, there might be something darker underneath that, Um, which is always, which is always the risk, you know,
0: yeah. And, you know, um, MJ goes through that, you know, hey, Peter, you've you've always been there for me through, you know, through all the all these times. And and, you know, you've always been good to me. You're the you know, you're the nicest guy I know. And and then she comes you know, eventually at the end of the movie confesses her feelings and he just he has to shut her down because of the whole Spider-Man thing. While he does love this woman, he wants to be with this woman more than anything. It's. The, you know, not letting anyone get too close to him because he saw what happens when to his loved ones, you know. Yeah, the, the, it
1: almost got her and Aunt May killed.
0: Yeah. Um. So, so, by keep, so by keeping them, by keeping MJ at arm's length, he's protecting her. And that's something that MJ is not going to understand in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: she starts to kind of figure it out almost at at the end. You know, she starts to suspect.
0: I want to get to Jameson here. Later in the film, there is a bit of a soft side to Jameson because the Goblin comes in saying, "Who takes those pictures of Spider-Man? And and Jameson says, I don't know. Uh, they just come in th- th- through the mail. I pay him through the mail. I've never met the guy. I don't know who he is. So on some level, Jamison does have a soft spot for Peter. He just can't say that publicly because he has an image of this tough guy businessman.
1: It's also, I mean, we do see it as well with the, you know, he plays hardball with the negotiation. But when Peter's ready to just take the pictures and walk and go out.
0: Yeah, he's going to walk to another newspaper, yeah.
1: And immediately... JJ's like no 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 you know sit down and here's money and you know also I I do think it's it's very obvious that not only is it specifically for Peter I think JJ is the type of person who would not just throw a human being into danger even if it wasn't Peter specifically Mm -hmm. who he has just met at that point really I don't think that J. Jonah Jameson, for all of his many faults, is the type of person who would just throw a human being into a kidnap situation.
0: But he'd never admit it.
1: Yeah, he would never admit it. I do like the uh, the the ups and, and downs uh, that we see Peter go through with his powers. You know, we see the fun bits of Spider-Man, and then we see the moment that Goblin starts to turn the stuff on him. I do like how, how much the, the Goblin personality takes over, because it does attack even when Harry is there.
0: Say what you will, Norman is letting it happen. For Norman, ever since the government cancels the contract for the glider and flight suit, everything starts to tumble over. He tries to fix it by killing the scientist that said that scra- let's well, scrap the whole thing. He kills off the generals that canceled the contract to begin with. And now he's lost his entire company because the aerospace company that the goblin just blew up their prototype flight suit is buying Oscorp. So he just yeah. shot himself in the foot with a big old pumpkin bomb. So he's really lost everything and letting the goblin persona take over because that's really all he has left. Man,
1: I do not know what's in those skeletonizer pumpkin bombs, but those are terrifying and appear to be omnidirectional because he throws the, the pumpkin bomb and it just takes out. The people on one side, and Harry and Harry Chainer on the other side, and they're fine. So g- good throw, I guess.
0: Yeah. Can can I get to the attempt at gob? The attempt by a goblin to get Peter on his side. Oh yeah. The speech he gives him is amazing because it's true. The one thing people love more than a hero is seeing a hero fall
1: it's a It's a little Darth Vadery the speech, except it's a it's a more interesting dilemma instead of Darth Vader's kind of you know join me or die thing. It's a little more join me because you can't stay where you are for very long. They're going to take you down with or without my help. Which is a much more bizarrely sinister threat. Like, I don't have to lift a finger. You're going to fall with or without my help.
0: I mean, he is a vigilante. So, yeah, the cops are going to go after him for simply being a vigilante. And, you know, again, J uh, J. Jonah Jameson's papers doesn't help things.
1: I hate to say it, but he's kind of a rich guy who's seen how, paparazzi works you know yeah it's a fascinating dilemma in the fact that he's still a bad guy but he's not entirely wrong on this
0: those are some of the best bad guys in fiction are those who aren't really wrong or who don't really lie
1: well, Green Goblin is just out for revenge in this way. Like he doesn't I, I don't like Green Goblin as a villain in this film because he's
0: a very selfish villain. But he's also putting other people, you know, he's blowing up, you know, it's the it's yes, he's aiming towards the people that have wronged Norman Osborn, but he's also being very reckless with it and you know, he blows up the balcony and the debris is falling on people. He blows up the balloon that crashes into a pipe that crashes onto a person.
1: But also so he- Norman Osborne being wronged in this situation is kind of like, eh, Norman Osborne's being wronged is they fired you from a company and that firing is still going to mean a golden parachute and a life of luxury for you. Please let me be wronged in that way. So it's not really a good villain setup, you know.
0: There's a there's a really weird moment right before the Thanksgiving dinner scene, the fire. Yeah. So they they, they have the fire. Peter says, you know, he's not going to join uh, the goblin. Uh, gets out of the fire, and you have you hear a goblin says, no one says no to me, but his head still moves. So I'm wondering, was that Speaks supposed to be longer, but they needed to shorten it to shorten the runtime of the movie.
1: Who knows? Uh, You know, probably one of the one of the things that that was a complaint about this film was that given. How both Spider-Man's costume and Green Goblin's costume ended up, you lost basically all of the nuance of performance. uh, Because you lost all of the facial features of the actors.
0: I mean, they do kind of remedy this by having the goblin's eyes retract. And uh, the mouth of the goblin has that mesh in it. So if you look really closely, you can see Willem Dafoe's mouth. So they tried... To make it a little bit of the facial features, but Toby Maguire is not a good physical actor. Like he's a good vocal actor, but when you're wearing a mask and you have to act with just your body, Toby's not good at that.
1: Yeah, it's he's very much a a face acting guy. A lot of his acting is in his eyes and his more subtle facial expressions which does not work in a mask. Um, it just, it doesn't let's talk about the point where, you know, let's talk about the climax of, of the film. You know, we get the point where, you know, thanks to that one cut on his arm. Goblin figures out Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Which is kind of interesting because it would have sucked if Peter Parker had really just been winged by a bike messenger that day. Norman figures it out and he takes out Aunt May. He kidnaps Mary Jane. He sets up the uh, Gwen Stacy dilemma, now Mm -hmm. transferred to Mary Jane. And does the, do you want to save the falling... Cable car full of innocent little children. Yeah. (laughs) Or do you want to save the woman you love? And we get the whole scene of Peter trying desperately to save both.
0: Yeah, it must really suck to be Spider-Man's girlfriend. You're always falling off something.
1: And I really hate that the new trailer has the setup again. The second Scene I never want to see again is Spider-Man's girlfriend falling off anything. And they've already done it with this MJ.
0: Yeah. We
1: already had that in Homecoming.
0: That was a different girlfriend, though. That was Liz. That was not MJ.
1: (laughs) But we've already done a Peter Parker girlfriend for this Peter Parker, you know? Can we please stop using the potential fridging of Peter Parker girlfriend as a plot point? Because I'm I'm kind of sick of it
0: yeah i'm I'm kind of done with the homage to the night Gwen Stacy died. I get that it's one of the most well known spider man comics out there, but we don't need to keep going back to it over and over again
1: like, yeah can can we can we stop using a traumatic women falling off a of thing plot point but you know this was our first outing. our first homage we're giving this one a pass. It was the first. Okay, fine. You know, Peter does the the catch and he's trying to hold on with his amazing spider strengths. We get the post 9-11 don't mess with New York as, you know, the New Yorkers come in and fight Goblin. Goblin could uh, have
0: easily taken him out with another pumpkin bomb if he wanted to
1: well but we have to get the you don't mess with new york rah, i get it you know i
0: get it yeah
1: and at the time i mean remember how you felt at the time that was yeah. a good scene at the time the theater erupted everybody yeah you don't mess with new york it's a you little you know even my uh, tiny georgia town was like yeah that's what you get for messing with new york you know it was
0: like i mean yeah back then that was where where the country was now it's a little bit of of, of the cringe
1: yeah now you're like oh yeah we that we did that didn't we
0: you know <laughs> it, it, it plays a little different now but the final fight scene between the goblin and spider-man is actually pretty good and the yeah. fact that you have an injured peter parker who not only does he have this the the cut on his arm but he's already physically exhausted from carrying this cable car full of children and mary jane so he's it's- got two handicaps on him as the goblin is just kicking his ass and 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 bless that one
1: little bit of mask that's like holding together. There's like that one strap that's kind of holding yeah. the mask together. Um,
0: Look honestly, it it it, it it's a, a you know especially with the the pumpkin blo- exploding, What is that mask made out of? That only that exploded when the bomb did.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh, can we talk? Yeah, there was a battle damage, you know, toy at the time that had that, like, one little strap and stuff. It made for a good-looking toy. Oh, the funniest toy. I remembered the funniest toy. There was a toy at the time that still baffles me to this day that was a Norman Osborn with ugly chair and green goblin mask. Yes. Because that that is the scene that you want to reenact as a kid you're like mommy mommy i want to reenact the scene where a crazy guy talks to his chair and and the chair talks
0: like you'll get quotes from the film
1: oh Oh, did it talk was
0: it a talking chair then it was a talking chair chair
1: oh i never actually had it i just remember seeing it in the store and being like who wants ugly chair action figure like what kid is being like, Mommy, I want the ugly chair action figure?
0: Side note, I just went on eBay to search this. This toy is going for $200 on eBay.
1: Oh, wow. Because I looked it up. I was trying to explain that action figure. And I sent I sent a, a picture of it to somebody uh, during the rewatch. And, and they were like, how do the chair and Willem Dafoe both come out looking better in action figure form? <laughs> but yeah um but the uh the this fight scene is actually really good um the uh organic webbing having a metallic sound when it comes out is a little cringe again do not do not like the organic webbing it's overall a good fight scene i will say uh i like the way that goblin manipulates peter Going Stop. back and forth between super villainous and very fatherly.
0: Yes. Stop, Peter. It's me. It's Norman. Please don't hit, it hurt me anymore. It's the goblin. He's taking over my mind. Yeah,
1: that was a good kind of reveal because I did like that Peter immediately stops and is like, you know, eh, Mr. Osborne. The interesting thing about this, though, is even with the kind of super soldier serum kind of thing of. Goblin's origin in this film we have to remember that Peter Parker is incredibly strong like Peter Parker is can make the Hulk say ow levels of strong and people forget that because he's holding back
0: uh, there was one comic where um, this is the superior run where Doc Ock takes over Peter's mind and he hits someone full force and literally rips the jaw off of his face. Showing that Peter has been holding back this entire time. If Peter wanted to, one punch could obliterate someone's head.
1: Yeah, and even with the kind of armor and the super soldier whatever that he has taken. I mean, one punch from Peter could just punch straight through this guy's chest and spine. I mean...
0: But he's not a killer, so he won't do it.
1: But yeah, which is what I've always kind of liked about Peter Parker is that every punch he has ever thrown in the comics has been a pulled punch, uh, which is incredibly impressive. The fact that at that point, you realize that he pulls back even further Uh upon realizing who it is he's fighting like oh oh crap this is my best friend's
0: dad and he uses that against peter because you you know he he does the little he touches that remote on the wrist for the glider to kind of manipulate Peter. like please don't hurt me help me the goblin's taking over my mind and i've always been there for you peter you've been like a son to me let me be a father to you and that badass line he says i had a father his name was Ben Parker.
1: Yeah, but it's also slightly out of place because he kind of delivers it like it's Norman's fault that Ben is gone.
0: Yeah, which
1: it's not. <laughs> it's maybe like, the,
0: the maybe the line should have been delivered better.
1: Like sadder, you know, it, it's delivered with a bit of anger, and it, maybe if it's it had been delivered with more sadness it would have made more sense you know i i don't know it just it, it kind of is like it would have it, the delivery toby gives would have made more sense if it had somehow been norman's fault that ben had died it's it's a good line just in the wrong movie somehow <laughs> there's the later movie where you find out that like somehow peter's actual father is is connected to Ozcorp and you know, like take that line and you know, rework it for Peter's actual birth father, and you know, okay, then if it, they ever got to works. Amazing Three, that maybe, yeah, but yeah, it's still a good line, and I'm I'm glad that it's there, sort of, and we finally get him acknowledging that Ben was his father, you know, in everything but you know, genetics. It's just kind of maybe the wrong delivery.
0: Godspeed, (laughs) Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, and then... You don't even need... Spidey sense... For that, because... Goblin just decides to... Just telegraph that one. Thanks. I mean, thanks.
0: There's no reason to keep up the act... If he's not gonna... You know, fall for it.
1: Yeah, but he... He telegraphs the attack... Um... And also spider sense
0: but i no i do like the you know that that instant shift in posture and and the voice it's like you know it's like there's no more split personality it's like they're just the one one. they're one now and yeah the the blades of the glider come out uh peter jumps and uh We get the death of Norman Osborn. Again, uh, comic accurate. Because he was stabbed by the glider. Uh,
1: I'm not sure it's comic accurate that he took a glider to the Nards. (laughs) That's always been the thing that has bugged me most about this movie for 20 freaking years. I don't know why. They felt they needed to take out the goblin with a glider to the nards?
0: Because they needed him to bend over onto the glider. And that that's really the only natural position you can take to have him kind of flop over the glider when he died.
1: I mean, I, I don't even particularly have that anatomy, but can you think of a less dignified death <laughs> for your villain than a glider to the north?
0: <laughs> when Peter puts Norman back in his office, he has changed Norman's clothes or he has taken the, uh, the goblin suit off of him. Okay, but
1: like Spider-Man shows up with the dead body of your father and they do an autopsy and they're like, well, your father appears to have been crushed by a wall and then suffered multiple stab wounds to, to the, the
0: nethers. Again, we don't actually get resolution for this until the third movie. I mean, we, what so, what is that news
1: report like? Like... Bill- billionaire businessman Norman Osborne died today as a result of multiple stab wounds
0: to the groin. You know, they never released a reason.
1: Son Harry Osborne swears that Spider Man was somehow involved. The NYPD suspect an orgy gone horribly wrong? Like, what? You what know,
0: they this? never released what, he, what actually happened.
1: What but, is this? You but know if, that the Daily Bugle is running
0: some kind of something about this. But what would Harry think about? There's stab wounds in his groin, but Spider-Man stabbed him with something. And the, the arts repeatedly. And the fact that we find out, I mean, the fact that Harry finds out in the second movie that his father was the goblin. And again, not until the third movie that he finds out, oh yeah, the goblin Uh, Your father died by getting stabbed by his own glider. The fact that they waited until the third movie for that resolution. That is just one of the many problems Spider-Man 3 has.
1: Yeah, but it's not just one of the many problems Spider-Man 3 has. It's one of the many problems Spider-Man 1 has. Yeah. And it has been bugging me for 20 freaking years. I have spent 20 years with people telling
0: me this is a good movie.
1: I had to wait until Spider-Man: Homecoming for a good Spider-Man movie. Come on. Uh,
0: I guess that's your opinion on the movie. We don't we don't have to ask a question at this point.
1: Glider to the nuts, my organic webbing-covered ass.
0: <sighs> Honestly, this movie has problems. But I actually enjoyed uh, watching it back again. We we
1: actually didn't get to the worst part of the, the this movie that I don't think you can actually even defend, which is that this movie looks awful now.
0: Yeah, this is the whatever effects they used in 2002 has not aged well.
1: Yeah, we we always talk about has it aged? It has not aged well. Also, this movie makes you feel old as crap. They're like, it's like, hold on a second while I go use a payphone. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: also, um, we haven't mentioned it, but uh, might as well mention two of the more problematic scenes right now. Uh, the fact that Peter makes uh, a gay joke in the yeah, wrestling match. Yeah,
1: casual homophobia. Yeah.
0: And um, the fact that after attempted assault on Mary Jane, she decides to make out with Spider-Man.
1: I mean, it was at least that was her choice. I know they were trying to recreate that that panel. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an infamous panel and they wanted to recreate it. I just feel bad for Tobey Maguire because you're hanging upside down in the rain, you know, with the rain machine going and water going up your nose. That had to be like an absolute nightmare
0: of a scene. Yeah, he had, uh, there was an interview right after the movie came out said that was the most the most unromantic kiss he's ever had in his entire career because like you said there's the rain machine going on so it's going up his nose he has to breathe out of the side of his mouth because he can't breathe out of the side that's facing the camera so it's like there's like no romance and he's hanging upside down so it's like the most unromantic kiss Well,
1: he's if you about. if you actually look i noticed it because uh, you know again you're watching it in 4k now and it's probably not something That you could notice at the time. But in the the high death. Now you can notice. That if you watch. That kiss scene. If you look at his neck. You can tell. It's just all veins. And muscle. Like he is trying so hard. Not to pass out. And you can tell it. If you look at his neck. Because he's hanging upside down. So all the blood has rushed to his head. Because who knows how long he's been hanging upside down. And he's got the the mask crammed into his nose, which is just pushing more water into his nose, I'm sure. So he's trying not to breathe and not to have water into his nose. And he can't really breathe because she's trying to kiss him. And he's also trying not to get water into his mouth because it's running down his chin and into his mouth. This is a man who is about to die and I need them to cut away from this scene so that this poor man does not die. <laughs> and you just feel so bad for him. Um and also you can tell that she is wearing like the skimpiest of like satin tops or whatever in that thing and she's kind of shivering a little bit and you can tell that it was like cold and stuff and like looking at it in that thing and thinking about like what is going on on set at the time and you're like yeah that is the the most unromantic film kiss (laughs) in the history of cinema at that point because you've got a man hanging upside down being waterboarded by his own costume and a girl who is trying not to pass out from the cold like oh my goodness, I felt so bad for the two of them watching that back.
0: So again, you I guess uh, you're saying no magic. I I I will I will disagree and say there's there's some still here. I did enjoy myself watching it, so I'm gonna say magic.
1: I will say one thing that it made me appreciate about the um, MCU movies, mm. and that was. I had forgotten how comic booky this movie is. This movie really does attempt to be comic booky. Not quite as bad as the Ang Lee Hulk film where it actually tries to do the the frames
0: of the comic book. It's it, it couldn't be any more comic booky if they didn't have pages flipping after every scene.
1: Yeah, that that is the worst. I think, attempt at comic booky kind of movie that Marvel ever did. But this film really does. It's got, like, logo transitions in a couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. The kind of goofball way. It, it's a very goofy movie. I'd forgotten how goofy this film is. And it sort of made me appreciate that while the MCU has humor, it's less goofy. I don't know. It it makes me feel like it takes the audience a little more seriously. Even some of the stuff that the current iteration does, like the note from the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, mm-hmm. somehow feels a little more grounded. I don't know how that is, but it it feels a little less odd. I don't know how to explain it. But it this movie felt so like we're doing a comic book movie, kids, like. And it having seen now what comic book movies can be, I was a little less generous to it, I guess. Hmm. In the rewatch than I was at the first one where it was just like, oh, wow, somebody made a. A comic book movie that wasn't like, yeah, shut up you nerds, sit down and watch a comic book movie. I guess we're gonna give you a freaking comic book movie, you know? Which I guess we were just so used of being, so used to being slapped around by by film studios at the time that we were just like, oh wow, somebody actually treated uh, comic books in halfway adult, which I will give it credit for that. It I'm not sh- saying this is a, a horrible movie, but it it was a it was the stepping stone we needed, and I will thank it for that.
0: Man, they're so much
1: better now, and I'm so much happier for it. I mean,
0: the movie made the money. We got a sequel, which is honestly a lot better than the first movie.
1: And then we got another sequel, which is possibly one of the worst things in the history of the world.
0: So it be- may be a war crime. And uh, yeah, let's just do a reboot. And uh, th- <laughs> that's what we're going to be picking up next week as we move away from the McGuire Spider-Mans into the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Because we'll be taking a look at The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012 next week. Yeah, let's see how Andrew picked
1: up the dropped ball of uh, Spider-Man 3. And uh, we will talk to
0: you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at Com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.